I started off by saying what a, a privilege it was to be invited here to share the bread and the wine together at this time. How do you beat that? A gato? <laughs> Sounds good, doesn't it? You know, it, it's, it's strange, though, isn't it? We have all the traditions um, that, 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 that we have with communion, and different churches do them a little bit differently, and that's one of the things we've been sort of trying to work through. How does that work? But there's one thing in every church of Scotland I've ever been to, and probably in most churches, that you can completely rely on is a consistent tradition, and that is tea, coffee, and something else afterwards. It, it's just something that we do as Christians, and we, and we do it really, really well. Um, if I was giving some announcements to our folk um, from, from D.L. St. Andrews, it would be to remember that next Sunday we have is a butty uh, lunch after the service, and please come along and support that. But you know what? These are the things that every church does. We had a, a fish supper service recently. We had a garden party with food for the coronation. And I'm sure if I asked the folk in, in, in Cross Hill, what are the things you've been doing together over the last year? The number of them that will have involved food will be quite dominant in all of that. And that's before we get on to what the guild do and, and all the different things that go on in churches. Churches are always eating. And it shows sometimes. But I would want to say, actually, that is intensely biblical. I, I, I was reading a book just a, a year or two ago, I, I, and it was taking me through the gospel accounts, and it showed me something I'd never noticed before. Everywhere you go in the gospels, in the life of Jesus, there's food. You know, feeding the 5,000, but did you notice there's also feeding the 4,000? Jesus really did catering in a big way. But they were eating fish by Galilee. They were, they were doing meals with tax collectors and prostitutes. There were meals with Pharisees at the home of Simon, at the home of, of Martha and Mary. There was Zacchaeus, I'll go to your house for tea. Jesus seemed to spend his whole time going, going for food. Uh, in fact, one of the commentators said that Jesus in the Gospels is all the time either at a meal, going to a meal, or coming from a meal. I, I challenge you to go through any of the Gospels and see if that's true, but it, it seems to be there all the time. And in fact, the stories he told were so often about banquets and invitations and killing the fatted calf and lots and lots of things that were about eating. In fact, he says to his folk at one point, the Son of Man came... We might expect him to end that by saying preaching and healing. But no, no, Jesus says the Son of Man came eating and drinking. It's his own words. And he goes on to tell us that his opponents saw him drinking and eating so much that they called him a glutton and a drunkard. Not that he was a glutton or a drunkard before someone accuses me of heresy. But that was the sort of reputation he had as being a bit of a, a party animal. So when we eat and drink together then we are being biblical. The beginning of the book of Acts, chapter 2, it talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. The mighty wind, the tongues of fire, the miraculous tongues that they all spoke in as they spoke other languages, that all the people could hear the power of God that began to work in the world. But the wind dropped. The fire stilled. The noise of the tongues would go silent at the end of the day, and what was left? The book of Acts goes on immediately to that passage 
that Daniel read for us. A picture of a little church. Well, not such a little church because it had just had 3,000 new members. We had four new communicants or two new communicants the other week and I thought that was great. We may have a few more, but they had 3,000 folk join. And yet that, that church, it tells us simply they spent their time learning from the apostles and eating together. Eating together. The disciples were teaching these new converts. They were teaching them all about Jesus. They were teaching them the word of God. They were teaching them the meaning of the cross and the resurrection. But as they did that, as they told them about God's plan to change the world, they were eating together. And that was so important. Because Jesus didn't come saying to folk, here's a bunch of things that you need to learn. Point one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. No, he took his disciples and for three years he lived with them, ate with them, drank with them. And then he said to them, go and do this. Teach them to obey. Teach them to learn what it means to follow me. And what was created was a community of people that as they taught and as they learned and as they grew, ate together a shared life. And that's vital for us as we grow in our Christian faith. We don't do it alone. We do it together as a people, sharing food together. But there's also a bit of an ambiguity here because it, it, it says quite literally, um, the, the Good News Bible that we read from says they, they were taking fellowship meals but what the, the original text actually says is they were breaking bread together. Now, breaking bread can just mean having a meal. Oh, breaking some bread. And having a meal together is an intensely social activity. It's important. What do you do when you meet some new friends and you get to know them? What's one of the first things you do in that relationship? You maybe say, come and have food with us. Let's meet for coffee. And you can't have coffee without food in Scotland, can you? A scone or, or something with it. A boy meets a girl that he likes, or a girl meets a boy that she likes. What do they do? One of the first things is let's go and have a meal. Let's go out somewhere. And it gets a bit more serious, and the family begin to hear about the relationship. What did the parents do, much to their mortification? You must bring her round for a meal, or him round for a meal. So we can size them up. And if it gets really serious, then there might be a wedding. And what do you do at a wedding? You have food. And so that intensely social activity. In fact, you know, it, it, it's interesting. I, I, I don't have any Latin, so I had to look this up. But the Latin word for bread is, anyone got any Latin? It's panis. And the Latin word for together is com. And when you put that together, you get companion. And a companion or a friend, it, it literally means someone you eat bread with. Someone you have food with. And so there is this immensely social activity going on here. But there's more to it than that. Because as Christians, as people who know the gospel stories, we can't hear breaking bread without hearing something else, can we? Jesus 50 days before Pentecost, had sat in an upper room just a few hundred yards away, and he had taken the bread, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, and he said to them, this is my body that is for you. 
And not only did he break the bread and say, this is the symbol of what I am going to do at the cross that's going to create this new church, that's going to be the people that I'm giving my blood for, that they might be part of me. Not only did he do that, but he said, every time you break this bread, do it and remember me. Eat together, come together and keep remembering me. And we are doing that to this day. The heart of our Christian faith is not just that we come together like a social group, but we come together and at the heart of it is remembering that Jesus poured out his life for us. And in fact, the gospels tell us that's how we should love each other. That's why we should love each other. Deeply personal communion is. This is for me as an individual, what Jesus did for me. But it's also deeply relational as we break bread together. Jesus said on the night that he was betrayed, according to the Gospel of John, I give you a new commandment that you should love one another. You can't break bread. You can't share a meal unless it is together. And you cannot be a Christian unless you are together. People sometimes say, I can be a Christian and I don't need the church. I'm sorry, I don't know what Bible you're reading because that's not what Jesus was on about. Not at all. The church is exactly what it means to be the family of God together. Not a social club, but a place that we come. But there are two other things in this passage that are worth remembering as we think about that little church breaking bread together and growing and being fed on the apostles' teaching of the word. And that is it was deep and it was wide. What do I mean by that? Well, first of all, the relationships were very deep. They were growing in depth with the Lord. It wasn't just they were going to be admirers of Jesus or fans of Jesus or, or people who liked Jesus' teaching. They were going to be people who had their whole lives shaped by what he had done on the cross for them. He had died for them, and that gave them this new life. He'd risen for them, and that gave them hope for everlasting life. He'd given them a mission and poured out his spirit, and it was going to take over everything they were. But it also, in that relationship with each other, it was to be deep too. You know, one of the things that blows me away when I read this is it says that they shared their possessions together, and they made sure that none had any need. Now, those verses through Christian history have started <laughs> a whole lot of controversies. Was Jesus a communist that didn't believe in private property? And some Christians have taken that all the way. I was reading a book just now about the, the English Civil War and how in the aftermath of that, as people were, were really getting into the Bible, there were the diggers and there were the levelers. And the levelers wanted to make everybody the same and share everything. And the diggers wanted to do the same thing, only they wanted to do it voluntarily by getting people to dig the fields together. But I think it's even more radical than that. It's to have not a political agenda, but a love that is so deep that the things that are mine don't become important anymore. Loving you becomes more important. My space, my time, my house, my car, that doesn't matter. And this is a, an awful rebuke to us as Christians. I, I remember reading this as a child, and we, we, we lived in a street, and there were about four families in the street that all went to the same church. And I remember saying to my parents, Dad, 
How come we've got four lawnmowers? We can't even share a lawnmower with the people that live next door. What chance have we got of sharing our lives in this deep way? Think about that. If you've got some folk next door and, and you, you run out of a lawnmower, could you share one? But, you know, that's a bit trivial, but it's actually about that. It's about this, this meal that symbolizes a union actually has to have practical effects in how we love and care for each other, or it just becomes something that's there. And the sad thing is that actually communion over the centuries has actually become something which has caused division and not a coming together. You go to one church and it's called Holy Communion. You go to another one, it's the Lord's Supper. You go to somewhere else, it's the Eucharist. You go to somewhere else, it's a Mass. And we... And that's before we get into the little traditions that we have in our own churches and how much they build boundaries between us. But Acts, it was deep, always deep, because this eating together was breaking down the barriers. It always was. It was in the life of Jesus, wasn't it? He ate with his friends, but he also said, Zacchaeus, come, be part of the circle. Prostitutes, come, be part of the circle. Pharisees, you're invited as well all of you, to come into this kingdom that I am building together. And they would go on, if you read it right through into the book of Acts, as they began to break down the big line of difference that was in the ancient world and have Jew and Gentile eating together as Christians. And so, as we come together as two churches today, we do a little bit, symbolize a little bit of that deep relationship that is and we are called into. But you know the other thing? Is it also wide? There is a problem with deep relationships because there is a fine line, and we all know it, between deep relationships and cliques, aren't there? Have you ever been in that place, and we all have, where you're in a church and it thinks it's a friendly church, but actually it's a friendly church because everybody's got friends? And the person that comes in that's a stranger is on the outside unless they come and they become like us, really. But the interesting thing about this church in the book of Pentecost, and in the book of Acts at the beginning of Pentecost, is it, it, it was doing some strange things. It, it, it's only as you read it, it says they were sharing this in each other's homes and in the temple. And so this life that they were living together was both in the domestic sphere of the private but it was also in the temple. And by the temple, that didn't mean in a church building like this because the temple was the place in the center of Jerusalem where thousands of people gathered and exchanged ideas and met up and had festivals. And that's where the 3,000 people had been on the day of Pentecost. So it, it was that the church was both this, this relationship that was intimate, that was in each other's homes, that was really growing deep, but it was also always reaching out. I walked today from D.L. St. Andrews, because it's too nice to, to bring the car if you're able, right through the center of Motherwell to get here. One building on each of the central area and the central space and just asking questions. How do we be church that's in buildings, building deep relationships, but also reaching out? And this is what the church always was supposed to do to be inviting. That's what our mission plans are all supposed to be about. Helping us to have the deep relationships that really care for one another. But here's the interesting thing. As the church did those deep relationships, they found that the Lord was adding to them. 
had an illustration of that a, a few years back where we, we were doing something with the social work department and the police and we'd had them up at the church. I think it was the guild that had invited them and they were talking about the needs in our community. And I turned to the senior social worker and I said, if the church could do one thing to make a difference in the community, what could it do from where you're sitting? And she turned and she said, Minister, if you could help people find the sort of love that you give your own people. Because the social worker went to see elderly people and what she found with elderly people and vulnerable people is if they had a church connection, they had a whole support network. And it made her life a lot easier. But what she was asking the church was, how did you extend that out so that more and more people could be involved? And I think as I look at this on the day of Pentecost, and it says they had these deep relationships, really breaking bread together, but the Lord was adding to them. And they were doing it openly. And that, I think, is the challenge for us as we do things together, that it is always deep as we look out for each other and we learn how to do, but it's also wide. It's inviting others in to find Jesus. And this is the gospel that we proclaim as we break the bread and share the wine together. For what does it say? We once did not belong. We once were not entitled. We still do not deserve. But while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. By his cross, he reconciled us to God and to each other and gave us a ministry that we would be reconciling people to God and to each other too. Jesus died for us and we are forgiven and therefore we forgive. Jesus died for us and we know that we are loved and therefore we love. Jesus promised us and therefore we share this good news. And that is what we do today as we break the bread and share the wine together. Amen.